0: Hello and welcome to the Wide Teams podcast, the podcast for geographically dispersed teams and remote workers. Located on the web at wideteams.com and on Twitter at WideTeams, This is episode 63. I am your host, Avdi Grimm, and this episode of the Wide Teams podcast is made possible by generous support from Argyle, offering professional services with a niche focus in QA strategy and automated web testing. You can find out more about Argyle at A-R-R-G-Y-L-E dot com. Joining me on the show today is Ryan King. Ryan, thanks for uh, sharing some of your time.
1: Thank you very much, Avdi.
0: Ryan, um, tell me a little bit about yourself, uh, your history with uh, with remote development, and uh, and what you're up to these days.
1: Uh, so my my history is a little bit a little bit funky in that I I started development in '99 and went on pretty intensely, and then I took a giant six year break in the army, and I'm, I'm coming back to it now this year. Uh, so I'm I'm kind of Seeing things from a new perspective, kind of like I on Futurama, I've, I've fast forwarded over a lot of, a lot of, uh, the details and I get to see, you know, new things that, have, that were babies when I left and they're, they're mm-hmm. now grown. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I've done off and on in the time before and after I've done remote development as well as in-person development for commercial and open source projects.
0: Very cool. And uh so w- tell me about your your work right now. Are you working remotely?
1: Uh yes, yes. I'm uh I'm working for a company out of out of Kansas that has uh numerous different uh it's like an umbrella company and I I pair program most days with the other developer on the team who is in Kansas and mm-hmm. uh yeah, we're we do remote development every day on that.
0: So how does that uh how does that pan out like um do you just have like a set schedule? where you meet up and then uh then you do like what some screen sharing or something.
1: Yeah, it's it's uh it's both ad hoc and you know uh and and various um basically we we kind of come from different toolset backgrounds. I I'm more of a uh, Vim developer and he's more uh comfortable in IDEs. Uh, he likes RubyMine currently. Mm-hmm. So, uh, we sort of have this weird little hybrid thing going on where we will commit, we'll connect to a shared Tmux session, and that's sort of where I do my driving, mm-hmm. but we'll connect it on top of that to a VNC session, where when he's going to drive for a chunk, or look around the files, or show me something, he'll use, you know, his, his RubyMind stuff, uh, but then there, it's nested, you know, so he can, you can actually see the Tmux session through the, the VNC, so if we need to switch over to that window quickly, he can just click on that window, and then copy and paste something, and, uh, so it's it's sort of integrated but then when i when it's time for me to type i'll actually switch to my tmux session and be typing directly into that
0: hmm okay well, that's interesting so yeah hybrid tmux and vnc did d- did you have to do a lot of uh, like tunneling setup to get all that working or
1: uh, no just basic ssh uh, when i when i first started contracting with the company he gave me an ssh account and we installed you know maybe 10 Packages that I like to have to develop, and uh, the rest of it just uh, just went from there. Uh, one one of the things that that I'm really into is deploying config quickly. So there's a, a one-liner curl script that I ran that brought in my home directory. So he basically gave me a, a an account, uh, gave me vim and tmux and mosh, and then I ran my script, and that was after that I was able to develop.
0: Let's uh, let's dig into some of those tools a bit more. Uh, Tmux has come up often in in some of these discussions, uh, but we've never really dug too deeply into what exactly that does and and how people configure it. So, uh, can you expand on that?
1: So, Tmux is the new generation of what used to be GNU Screen, which was a terrible name because you have to say like "screen" parentheses one to make it clear that you're talking about a program. But Tmux is, is actually, it's a pretty self-descriptive name. It's a terminal multiplexer. So when you, when you click on a terminal, whether it's, you know, GNOME terminal, Xterm, URXVT, or even uh, Windows command.exe, uh, it's, it's a simple box. It has rows and columns and it basically a singular window. But Tmux and screen allow you to Layer those windows on top of each other, first of all, and also to break them into panes, so you subdivide them, so they're visually like uh, like the windows on your your uh, GUI. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you have several different input uh, prompts, but uh, they're you know it takes some getting used to. You have to you have to set up the 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 key bindings and learn the key bindings with tmux. A big thing is terminology. If you can if you can get the terminology where there's a window, but then you hit control B C to create a new window, it's another layer behind that. But a window breaks into panes, and then there are there are sessions, which is like a collection of windows, basically, and then there are sockets, which are a collection of sessions. Um, after you start to see all those pieces, it, it becomes easier to work with. So for example, if you're gonna pair with somebody, you create a socket that through some mechanism or another, both both users can read, uh, and write to that socket. So what, what I typically do is, uh, tmux-s, and then some directory in, in temp, and from there I run my, my tmux session, then I tell another, another buddy, doesn't have to be a privileged user, I, I tell them the same address, the same dash s slash temp, you know, foo.socket or whatever, and, uh, I chmod 777 that file so that he can access it, or, or 770 if he's in the same group as me. So, but once he does that, we can run both the same Tmux commands, and so he can attach to my session, and uh, you know from there, the, the commands, it's basically a single input. Uh, it is possible to do what they call rogue mode, where you can actually see something different than what the other guy does, and that was actually the default with GNU screen. Hmm. But with Tmux, it's you're bound as one, you know, if I hit control B, you know, three, it'll take me to window three and it takes him to, okay. so, um, but you're, you're just a single, it's like a keyboard, you know, when you're pairing in person where you're passing a keyboard back and forth, kind of have some synchronization issues where if you try to type it once you get craziness on the screen, but you just manage that through other out of band media.
0: Right. Now, if my, if my terminal is 60 characters wide and yours is 80 characters wide, uh, what happens?
1: Well, so that's another difference on the defaults from GNU screen is Tmux does the, the least. So if, if you're sitting at, you know, some number of columns wide that's less than mine, it'll pick that. But if I'm on some number of rows tall that's less than yours, it'll pick that. So, okay. uh. So it, it
0: finds a window that'll fit into both.
1: Yeah, and it puts these annoying little Pac-Man dots that you, you know, copy and paste on accident all the time. <laughs> it's kind of, you can match it up perfectly so nobody gets Pac-Man dots, but. Mm-hmm. Basically, you just don't worry about it. You just create a big screen and just roll with it. Right. So,
0: um, something else you mentioned was Mosh. What is that?
1: So Mosh is the mobile shell. Uh, you can usually search the web for that Mosh mobile shell and get right to it. But it's a layer on top of SSH that allows you to, I don't know, it just spiffs it up. Like, so one, one thing that random thing that it does is if you've ever catted a binary file and you put your, terminal into hieroglyphics mode, mm-hmm. it has a logic to prevent that from ever happening. Hmm. If if you've ever CAT a very large file over SSH and it starts just dumping and dumping and you can't control C and you just have to wait and like go get coffee and come back. A <laughs> little bit of help for that. You know, it'll 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 catch it after a few seconds rather than mm-hmm. after minutes. So it has those things, but the biggest thing that I like for 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 using SSH for dev is that you get instant character feedback. Mosh will actually locally echo whatever you type as an underlined text, and then when the server receives those characters and echoes them back, the underline disappears. So you get this little slug trail of an underline behind what you type, which, of course, is imperfect because, for example, if you're in, you know, say Vim, and you hit dd before the server gets those commands, you'll, you'll see the letters dd underlined, okay. and then you'll see it, the logic of Vim kick in and say, oh, he means delete this line, and it'll zap that line out. But right. Even still, seeing that, okay, yes, it knows I hit DD. I didn't hit FF or something else. That, that really speeds it up. So it, it helps a lot when you're trying to do, uh, remote development.
0: And so that, that actually works in conjunction with, uh, Vim and Tmux?
1: Sure, sure. Um, it's just, it's just an SSH tool. So mm-hmm. install, uh, MOSH on the server and then you have a MOSH client. And you can actually do it even if you don't have root access, but it's easier just to you know install the, the OS package on both sides, and then you just replace sh to foo with mosh foo, and then it it takes you there and connects. And another big thing that it does is it has cool reconnect logic. So if you close your laptop, walk out of the cafe, open it up in your house, it'll it just seems like it's always connected. Huh. It, it, yeah, it has like a meta layer that it's running on, so it'll just re rehandshake with the Mosh server running on the other side, and you're you're good to go. So that's especially good if you're on a, a flaky connection and you keep dropping. You don't have to keep reconnecting and reconnecting.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, so there's a server side component of it as, as well.
1: Right, right. It just it's basically Mosh SSH's into the other side and actually runs the server. Mm-hmm. That's oh, okay, right. Yeah and so it's it's a it's running as your user on that remote
0: mm-hmm.
1: oh, another socket and then you connect to that <clears throat> right <clears throat> which which of course has firewall issues cuz you have to have a certain range of udp open uh ports open but
0: yeah right uh, right okay so it uses udp that's interesting so i guess it's not completely reliable but i, I maybe it has some it has yeah. some correction built in for that
1: oh yes yes actually yeah so the the yeah, it has basically its own, its own confirmation logic, kind of like it rebuilds half the TCP, I guess. Right.
0: <laughs> yeah. But kind, of I mean, off, kind of off topic, but having done that myself over UDP once a long time ago, I, I uh, have some a great deal of sympathy for the Mosh developers. And so you put all that together and you've got, it sounds like you've got a system where you can, you've got pretty good feedback as you're, as you're typing. Um, so it's, it doesn't have that like long lag issue. Right, that we often see with screen sharing,
1: mm-hmm
0: now, um you said you've done a lot of open source work. Have you done pair programming in the open source world?
1: uh yes, absolutely um i I try to I try to gravitate things towards a higher bandwidth medium where I can, so if I'm Getting really into a GitHub issue with somebody, I might say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm on Freenode as our king. Why don't, I, you know, why don't we just chat this out? So, you know, that little bump upgrade can really help. Um, but once I have somebody on IRC or some kind of high bandwidth thing, I might say, hey, you know, let's, let's screen share. And so we join up and screen share. And then usually what I do is I split a TMUX pane below what we're typing that I use for a, a, a console IRC client so that the the passenger or the navigator can say something to the driver and see it on the screen. Mm-hmm. So you actually, you basically have three IRC clients. You have your local host. He has his local host or she, and then the shared session has a third user that uh, is looking at both of those chat messages coming in. Mm. Uh, so it's, it's a way to interrupt the development and, and uh, you know, and kind of do it asynchronously. But of course, above that is is voip uh so i favor akiga over skype because it's you know more open and you know not connected to microsoft and for me it's it's been a lot higher quality uh, i have less times where i have to reconnect
0: akiga the being the uh, the the gnome um voip client uh open source voip voip client
1: right it uses sip as the protocol um and it's a free sign up you just sign up and then it has they have some pay model similar to skype where there's like akiga out mm-hmm. so you can so that's, I guess, how they make their, their money in infrastructure payment. But, um, now, the
0: last time I used that, it was horrendously laggy. Has it gotten any better?
1: I, for me, it's better than Skype. And, hmm. But wow, okay. I'm on Linux, and so I'm on, like, version 0.4 of Skype or whatever they, they last.
0: <laughs> it's actually, like, 4.1 now. <laughs>
1: but I, I get weird issues with Skype. Uh, yeah. and with, with Akiga, it, it just works for me. Uh-huh. Um, But more people have Skype, so I keep both uh, actually open all the time. So, uh, yeah, but, you know, the idea being you just, you just increase the bandwidth of communication up, up and up. Um, Mm -hmm. then of course you have actual, uh, video conferencing, uh, which I've seen that you've done on some of your, your, uh, pairing. Um, but, you know, at at the top is, is in-person development. And I know it's sort of, you know, counter to the theme, but I, I, I do enjoy in-person development more. But you know it's it's a it's one of many variables that that can be turned you know from nine to ten uh, or it could be at nine and still, it still still works fine you
0: know right right uh, I'm gonna uh circle back to the the VoIP one more time real quick um uh, do you you're on Linux do you have any recommendations when people want to join you on on a sip call uh for if they're on the Mac or on windows
1: yeah uh Akiga works on that too. Uh, okay, is an open protocol, so there's like you know probably five or six viable clients. I just so far I've recommended Akiga, and everybody's gotten it and been fine with that. Oh, okay, good.
0: Yeah, no, I I remember back in my in my Mac days, I there was some other open source um, SIP client. I didn't know if there was if if Akiga was was up and running on there.
1: Yep. No, my my buddy in Kansas is uh is on is on a Mac, so yeah.
0: Okay. Cool. Yeah, it's interesting. Do you? Do you find that there's much resistance to getting people um, into a pairing a pair programming session when it's just for for some random open source thing?
1: Oh, for sure, for sure. And in fact, I'm I'm pretty aggressive about it, so I, I have no doubt in my mind that I annoy some <laughs> of open source buddies. Like, hey, hey, you want a pair? You want a pair? But it, it's so much better for me. I, I feel like it's such a, a richer experience, and I I enjoy it, and I'm willing to be annoying for it. Mm-hmm. I've found that most people, once, once you put that stone and that water and that pot down, they start bringing the vegetables and the, and, you know, it turns into soup before long. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I've had, I've had a few, a few times where there was somebody it took a little bit longer to warm up to the idea. Um, you know, there, there's, there's inherent problems with anything like this. Uh, one thing that I've, I've realized on my own, I need to do better is, uh, time box things. Because if I lure somebody in, like, hey man, you wanna, you wanna look at this thing real quick? And then, you know, three hours later, we're still on it, uh, that's, you know, that, that's sort of a, I got them obligated to it and they didn't, they didn't really invite themselves into that. Right. (laughs) You know, I, I, you know, there's, there's downsides, uh, in, in everything, but I think so far it's mostly been profitable to the, to, to both parties. and uh, you know you got to fish it out. You find find people that like it more than the others, and you know th- th- it become your thing. But as I said before, you know it just because the the communication dial interaction isn't at nine, we can do a lot at three. You know we can do a mm-hmm. lot over C. We can do a lot over GitHub issues. So you, you can always fall back to a lower bandwidth. But I mean, strive for that higher bandwidth communication.
0: Mm-hmm. So you find that usually once you. Once you get somebody into a pairing session they do they feel like it was worth the extra effort to get it set up?
1: uh yeah, um, pretty much everybody has positive feedback, you know they kinda say you know wow that was that was something different. I've never done that before you you know, but you always have this yak shaving period right, uh, and that's that is that is like the number one obstacle uh so there's a few solutions to that, one is basically. Just invite them into home court on your stuff. So you 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 know open a port out of your router and they come into your laptop. They SSH in, mm-hmm. uh, which a, a nice touch that you can put on is just use SSH keys instead of giving them like passwords. Just say here, you know, give me your SSH key. You know your dot SSH slash ID underscore RSA dot pub. Just hand me that. You know the contents of that file and I'll, I'll set you up. Mm-hmm. But. You- make it so they log in then they run you know one command to connect to your TMUX session and they can see everything you're doing and from there they can kind of watch mm-hmm. but getting them to be the driver is is quite a challenge because mm-hmm. you know if, if you're using software on a regular basis you're diverging from the defaults. There's there's no way defaults can satisfy everybody. So you have your set of divergences and then they have their set and you're trying to like interleave those together. Um, right. And you know I've noticed some some pair of partners i mean they're just amazing uh you know but i got to give one by name ryan fitzgerald i can basically say oh yeah i'm i'm using you know i, I flipped control b and control a today he's like got it and the, rest <laughs> the wow that those that that's how to do it you know and other people are more hesitant uh to really get into all the the details but uh that's it's just a that's a that's a person problem not a not a tools problem in a lot of ways. So I have to decide what sacrifices I want to make from uh, diverging from the defaults. But then also as I inform them, I say, oh, you know, you know, I have the shortcut. It's, it's, you know, it's, you know, GPU for Git push like, oh, okay. That, that'll save us some time, you mm-hmm. know, which um, that's another issue, by the way, with pairing is kind of security. Uh, you you don't want to like leave, you know, some random ability to push to your Git hub account. Right. But it it actually works out. Uh, it's sort of funny. Most of the people that I that as soon as I see a shell open, they type like rm-rf you know tilde and just leave <laughs> there just to see what I'll do if I get <laughs> nervous. <laughs> just, just some like fake thing, you know. I, some uh, one of my buddies typed, you know hack you know hack underscore entire underscore system or something. But they they joke about it. But hmm. everybody's been super. Polite and nice. You know, nobody even logs into the machines when they've not been specifically asked. It actually just works out. You know, it's not it's not that big a big of deal. So, but there are actually solutions. Um, one thing you can do is set up a, uh, a virtual server. You know, a VPS, and uh, connect to that. And there's actually a product Staccato uh, from ActiveState, and inside that there's a tool PairUp, which basically spins up a pairing environment. So you can do similar to what I was talking about doing on somebody's laptop or somebody's personal server, but it's on the cloud. So hmm. even if you even if the worst happens and you completely misconfigure everything, it's just two minutes later you've spun up a completely fresh instance. So
0: oh, very but, cool. We'll definitely, need, I'll definitely have to get some links from you on those and and uh, put those in the show notes. Cool. Yeah. So, any other uh, any other tips and tricks you've you've run across, uh, whether it's it's machine hacks or human hacks, making remote work work?
1: I I don't know anything specific. I mean, just have fun with it. Uh, it's I I think you know, and also the the yak shaving. I think people get frustrated because they start out to do one thing, but I've benefited a lot from yak shaving you know from just getting on there and, and people saying well i do this this way and maybe we don't get a lot done in our first session but i i, I benefited from that so mm-hmm. if you make the first session like a bonus if you get anything done that's usually a good way to start out and then your second and third and fourth you can get down more to the metal and say all right these are our goals for this session this is our time box you know but uh yeah you know have have, have fun with it and sharpen that saw
0: Nice. Well, uh, Ryan, before I let you go, where can people find you and uh, and, and your projects online?
1: Uh, you know, um, github.com slash rking, github.com slash sharpsaw. Uh, IRC on Freenode is rking. That's a pretty, pretty good little start. Uh, you know, twitter at sharpsaw.org, spelled out. But, uh, yeah, you know, just I, I definitely... I love collaborating with people, so if there's somebody that wants to try it, just hit me up, and uh, I'll I'll make some some time, usually within the day.
0: Awesome, that's fantastic. Yeah, and as as somebody who does a lot of remote pair programming, well, I highly highly recommend taking advantage of any any offers like that because um, you know it'll 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 get you out of. Especially if you're if you're not in a company where you're you know coming into the office every day or you're you know you're not already uh, doing a lot of remote work with people, um, you know it'll just it'll get you out of that kind of isolated rut. Um, you know I I benefit tremendously from the fact that I I get to work with multiple people um, from all over the world uh, every week, and uh, just you know can't can't recommend it enough. Right, and that's.
1: Uh, that's a Ward Cunningham philosophy: is that he's benefited from everybody that he's programmed with, even if it's a total junior. He can say, you know, here, research this and come back and tell me, you know, what what how this API works. Yeah. It, at any any skill level, you can have two complete noobs or two complete pros. Any anywhere in between, uh, it can work profitably.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and you know, I, you know, when you're working with somebody who's who's a relative noob compared to you you know, one thing that, that you'll find is that you have to learn how to explain things that you've never, uh, you know, maybe never put into words before, never, like, actually, you know, thought through how to how to explain it to someone. And as a result of that, uh, you usually wind up, or I usually wind up, with a better understanding of it.
1: Oh, absolutely. And, and the primary benefit for me of pairing is not getting on long rabbit trails. And if I have to say, okay, I'm about to do this, and it sounds ridiculous when i describe it that that can save hours
0: yes yeah it's like yeah just having that you know dude do we really need to do it that way cuz there's got to be a better way somebody to say that somebody to give you that nudge it's um it's just it's gold
1: yep yep
0: all right well ryan thanks so much for your time
1: all right thank you sir appreciate it
0: and that is our show hope you've enjoyed it to subscribe if you haven't already or to check out more interviews with remote workers go to wideteams.com you can also find the show in the iTunes Music Store. The Wide Team's podcast is distributed under the Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 3.0 License. Our music is by Giles Bouquet. Until next week, this is Avdi Grimm, signing off la la la